Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Moontime Munchies podcast. Today's episode is all about the idea of defining sexuality for ourselves. So let's just dive right in to all these notes. I feel very grateful to live in a generation that is normalizing conversation on sexuality. I believe that making the topic so taboo only leads to shame and guilt for natural and necessary expressions of human nature and emotion. This will be an episode about sex and sexuality. If that is something that makes you uncomfortable at this moment in life, then please respect yourself and exit the podcast. There are plenty of other Moontime Munchies episodes and other media to listen to. I will be back with other topics next week, and hopefully you can listen to this another time if you feel more comfortable then. I remember around early high school having some adult figures in my life tell me that they were over this whole gay and transgender trend, and they wanted the fad to be over. They believed that these kids were coming out because their favorite celebrities were. Instantly, I knew how dangerous and harmful this limiting mindset was. I knew that more people were coming out because they felt that it was safe and that there wasn't any more gay or trans people than there were in any generations prior. People were simply comfortable expressing who they are. To clarify, there simply are more people, so the technical number is increased, but percentage-wise. Sex is so different than any other topics we hold as taboo because it seeps into every aspect of who we are and the media we're consuming. Especially in the US, we are like the most anti and for sex simultaneously. It's kind of ridiculous. But our movies, ads, outfits, behaviors, photos, everything needs to be sexy to hold somebody's attention. As much as we deny this truth because we are complex consciousness that can hold other priorities besides physical pleasure and reproduction, we are ignorant to neglect the significance of our primal desires and needs. It is ludicrous to force shame and guilt over human desire for intimacy, connection, and pleasure. Your sexuality is your own. How you naturally feel and express yourself is yours and yours alone. Your actions with other consenting adults is for you and only the individuals involved to have opinions and dominion over, and no one else. I think it's important to start with what we're taught about sex growing up. My parents were wildly uncomfortable about the topic and aggressively sheltered me from it, which is almost humorous now because they are very sex-forward in their humor. I feel both this shelter and humor comes from a suppressed shame and guilt about their own feelings and expressions of them. I want to clarify that I do not know about their lives or their relationships, simply how they chose to communicate with me and the limitations of communication with the rest of my elders. For me, this manifested in horror when I was of age to learn about sex. I remember crying and actually saying, why would anyone do that? (laughs) 
I believe that a lot of people have a horrible first or beginning memory to the idea of sex because we either had this rose-colored glasses emotional connection portrayed in Hollywood or this disconnected ultra-physical interaction portrayed in things such as porn. Whereas sexual encounters vary between these two and involve a wide range of emotion and sensory experience, which can intimidate us if we are not open to that, especially those who were neglected most casual physical touch or emotional intimacy growing up. Side note, I absolutely adore the book Un- Okay, I'm gonna swear, so here you go. Unfuck Your Intimacy by Faith Harper. And I recommend that to literally everyone and their grandmothers. (laughs) I also believe that despite the importance of sexual expression through art and people discovering their understandings of their own likes and dislikes so that they can feel more comfortable and confident expressing them, overexposure to sexual imagery without true human connection can lead to a sort of disconnect in what is exciting in real life interactions. Similarly to how we um, have this constant exposure to violence in films or video games and how that makes us more numb to hearing about real life deaths on the news or anywhere else. It's a topic spoken on constantly in the performance and art industry, the idea of shock value and how to always create something new in a world where people have quote unquote seen it all. I feel that art is continuing its role as a reflection of human consciousness as it expands throughout our history and now is showing a much more intimate, sensual and slow expression and understanding of oneself I remember moving constantly growing up and I went to several different schools and school systems and several different towns. I remember having like four different Spanish teachers and taking it for so many years, like through all of middle school and high school, but I had one short health class in only one school and I didn't learn much (laughs) and it was very short-lived. I remember that I was kind of shamed for enjoying the class, but my enjoyment came from my love of science and human biology, and their ridicule came from their own shame that they were taught at home. The assumption being that if I am fascinated by the human body, I must like that we are learning about sex, and that was so scandalous for shame-filled, prepubescent kids. But my point is it shouldn't be, even if that was what my interest was, which again, it was just the science. I was actually absolutely terrified of the idea of sex back then. I was interested in all of it, including the extremely limited section on reproduction, but I was still a decade away from being comfortable with even the idea of it for myself. To clarify, for me personally, there were several layers between discovering the existence of it in life and learning about the biology and mechanics to the years of breaking down fears and limitations taught to me 
um, by surrounding interpersonal relationships to recognizing my own desires to many years later, actually opening up and feeling deserving of indulging in situations that felt safe and fit what I personally require in that kind of relationship. I recently got into a disagreement with a family member because they didn't believe that schools should teach about sex, and I so strongly disagree. Like, I'm not even sure I have the words to convey the feeling. The only things that have made me feel more safe in my identity, self-expression, functions of the mind and body, and has allowed me to function in the world in a healthy way at all is education. I personally won't even form an opinion or speak on a topic that I don't feel at least generally educated about first. I experienced many traumatic situations when it came to the concept of sheltering me from knowledge, but coupled with trauma in upbringing heavily consisting of gaslighting, I felt like I was stumbling through my understanding of the world and my reality with a blindfold on. It was in the people that I could trust, both in elders and peers, books and other ed educational media, as well as more artistic, expressive media, where I began to understand myself and everything about the world around me. Lack of education breeds an assumption that the topics are not worth talking about. Trigger warning for this next sentence, but... It was found in a college survey that a small percentage of men that attended that school admitted to contemplating or being open to the idea of rape. But this number jumped to one third of men when it was phrased as forcing a woman to be intimate. This proves that we are not teaching that the behavior or the concept is wrong, simply the expression of the word or the idea is taboo. We must understand the value of teaching what consent is and what it entails and the value of it. Even the majority of school shootings or violent attacks were from young men who did not have a stable father figure, had neglected mental health conditions, or were sexually repressed. The world will not be safe for women, especially of color or the LGBTQIA community, until there are true understandings of the danger to our lives and our mental and emotional well-being. I also believe that the U.S. education system as a whole and the medical field and the mental health industry are all so severely lacking that it's terrifying. I understand that plenty of people are pressured into these roles by their families or by debt from the schooling. There is a lot of stress and a lot of people's energy that you have to interact with, but the lack of education, the lack of communication, the lack of compassion, people have to live with their bodies and their communities every day, and we need to be made aware of that. And have a better communication system. However, all of these will be their own episodes. I believe that schools should teach about sex, especially how to be safe, hygienic, care for a partner, knowledge of all forms, not just penetrative, speak on the learning and understanding of your own body without shame, be mindful of other people's morals and religious belief, but above all, we must teach about consent and proper communication. 
If I make any point abundantly clear, I hope it's this. Sex education is not going to, quote unquote, make anyone gay. It's not going to give them a green light to your baby girl. It's going to teach them to be safe and to not hate themselves when they discover who they are and what they like. With the media I consumed as a child, as well as a focus much more on my mental health than anything physical, growing up, I equated sex with love things that came together, no pun intended. With trauma came a lot of fear about desire for love or physical touch. There are many people in my life that I do not want to come near me at all, and dear friends that I would like to be in a forever bear hug with. I discovered my sensory sensitivity due to both ADHD and PTSD, that touch was my love language, and that, just to put it in perspective, you need about an average of four hugs a day for maintenance, eight for healing, and 12 for growth. And uh, depending on the year, I may get a few dozen that entire time, and mostly from triggering family that I didn't want to touch me. And as I healed my mental health, I craved physical connection more, as well as physical distance from those who were in my most direct contributors to abuse sort of circle. I also personally, as well as many people my age that I've seen due to generational traumas, experience trauma around the idea of self-worth and my deservingness to be cared for or enjoy any pleasure without earning it, which was another hurdle that took years itself to overcome before I could feel safe in allowing somebody who would treat me in a healthier way than what I was taught. In a way I desired, in a way that I now know I deserve. One of my favorite analogies used in the book I mentioned before, Unfuck Your Intimacy, was when she said, everybody deserves to be chocolate cake. Maybe cakes are not your thing. Me neither. But just go with me on this. She speaks in a very healthy way and a well-educated way about all other types of relationships, whether they be open or casual or whatever as well as healthy and consensual ways to express yourself before finding your person or people. I'm not here to judge. But the point of this quote is to say, it is okay if someone is really awesome, but your life paths aren't compatible or you aren't in the same place emotionally or intellectually or you're not sexually compatible. Everyone deserves someone who fits them perfectly, who they are madly in love with, and they them. I personally had quite a few guy friends ask me to settle, sometimes to my face, and I thought to myself, okay, I realize you're like horny and shit and you're not thinking rationally, but you're really okay with tossing out a friendship for temporary satisfaction. We will both feel weird about it later because we don't actually want to be vulnerable like that with each other. A lot of this stemmed from my like deep knowing that human spirituality has kind of evolved where authenticity to self is kind of the most aligned that you can be and that your actions, no matter 
how quirky or odd or whatever, as long as you're not harming anybody, true authenticity to self is the most divine way of being. I think a really important aspect to address in this movement of equality for women is understanding how we fucked men over. It's the way that we've been confining masculinity. And by we, I mean like the patriarchy as a whole, not just women. Um, most of what we perceive as masculine now is just the extremes or toxic aspects that actually endanger us. Men no longer even really like women, never mind respect them, because they were taught to hate, shame, and suppress all of the aspects of themselves deemed feminine, which should be a decent amount because within every healthy human is a balance of the male and female aspects, the yang and the yin and the yin and the yang. We failed man, men, I can't speak today, by asking them to be inhuman. This has caused an imbalance in women to overcompensate, in our more masculine energy to proceed as equal to an unbalanced masculine. It's as simple as the characters portrayed in the media that we consume, even subconsciously as we are doing the dishes. This is why so many women and men love the new himbo trope. People folk... Can't speak. People poke fun at the himbo, but a man that can be both gentle and kind, not only refusing to sacrifice his masculinity, but redefining it in the process. The himbo also sets new standards in masculinity by showing men that they don't have to be good at everything. And they disrupt the sexist dynamic of smart men dominating over less academically inclined women. It's not just the physically aggressive character for men that is harmful, but the nice guy ideal that believes he is being victimized due to his intellect can result in these bitter misogynists that believe themselves to be superior as a means of coping because of that. He takes out his relationship failures on the women around him. People like the himbo because they are truly good guys. Being just as empathic and invested like the nice guy trope is not genuine enough. The himbo doesn't believe he's owed romance. He just loves. When you love authentically without expectation, it returns to you. The optimism of the trope is too often mistaken as naivete when... Honestly, the cynicism of the cool guy trope is much more toxic. Himbos avoid the condescending attitude by being content with who they are and their laid-back attitudes and knowledge of when someone else is more capable allows the space for everyone to have the floor. The himbo may be confused with the man-child because both are underestimated, but the man-child is lazy and takes advantage of those around him, and they don't have the heart. Sometimes the himbo is mistaken for the meathead trope, but he's just strong for the sake of bringing nothing else to the table. The himbo offers hope to everyone who deals with toxic masculinity because 
the criteria of the box they put him in is that of a man who makes people happy. The objectification of these men also comes as a comfort to those who have had to cope with objectification all their lives. Realizing and refusing to subject those people to more objectification. Almost every woman, especially of color, and nearly every member of the LGBTQIA community has experienced objectification or even fetishization. Ooh, I can't say that word. Fetishization. <laughs> There's so many letters. Okay. Um, so to have this male character who understands what it feels like and won't put another through that makes him more attractive than the pretty he already was. He's a character that people relate to from expectations of body image to sexual harassment or being thought of as less than others. That comfort and space the himbo makes for people to be human attracts all kinds of people, even if they aren't attracted to him. Masculinity is not inherently toxic, and the picture of manhood can and will change, but the pure heart, good values, and wisdom that come from a man who knows when learning is more important than taking up space, the himbo is a good role model for everyone. The himbo stupidity in the media is often exaggerated for humor's sake, benefiting those who love him, but... The understanding that the pursuit of all knowledge is fruitless and frustrating puts him ahead of those determined to fit in by allowing the himbo the opportunity to learn what's truly important. People want to be around him because he is genuine. There are more willing to make space for a man who doesn't monopolize it. If you're going to be any trope, this is the best one to be. And for more on this topic, I would refer you to the video done about it on the YouTube channel of The Take. Part of my understanding of sexuality was allowing myself to be soft and feminine. For a long time, I was so deeply scared of physical vulnerability, especially when it related to emotional vulnerability. I had my mental and emotional well-being abused, as well as my free will with how my time was spent and the chemicals that were put into my body. So I held my sexuality as one of the few expressions of self that was not stripped from me and as one of the deepest forms of intimacy and trust in my mind. I was not ready to let anyone in until I could feel safe in letting go and expressing how I felt for myself. This is why I would like to inform that properly educating your children is not going to rush them into something they're not ready for, even if they aren't trauma survivors. However, if you're withholding education from them, maybe they are, just a little bit. Think about it, but don't shoot the messenger. In the physical aspect, I quite literally walk through the world with muscle armor as a defense mechanism. For those who don't know, it's a tightening of the muscles to hold in emotion or brace oneself for outside attacks. In an emotional aspect, as much as I desired this sense of intimacy and trust, I was too fearful and allowed too many passed down shame and guilt attachments in my consciousness to allow myself to even sit with what would feel good or what I'd be open to allow in the idea of vulnerability, even with myself. My understanding of sex for the longest time was 
purely technically, biologically. No understanding of courting, foreplay, hormones, emotions, kink, intimacy, pleasure, or anything at all. Those who taught me had the mindset that if I was aware that penetration existed and that babies came from that, then their job was done. I was fortunate to have many gay friends and family, so there were never inherent shames or disgust in those that I became friends with or any of the thoughts that came up no matter where we fall on the spectrum, but more so shame about sexual expression as a whole. I say that I'm grateful to be in a generation who prioritizes conversations on sexuality, not only to validate people's feelings and keeping people safe and spreading the importance of consent and safe sex, but most importantly to me is creating a culture in which we can understand and express ourselves in a manner that frees us from the shame and guilt we were taught to have. I'm grateful that we will be able to have a safe space and understanding with my kids, for example, that feeling different or aroused by new things as they grow in some of the most fundamental years in human psychology is natural and it is my responsibility to express to them a sense of acceptance and space for self-expression within themselves so that they can be free from that psychological abuse that we were handed. So they are free to be happy in their own bodies and make space for their friends, families, and partners to do the same. We also must not entirely depend on school systems, just as we may never be able to depend on all households that raise children. We must advocate for a more thorough education about sexualities, gender identities, consent, safe sex, kinks, and self-expression, as well as the biological understandings. But ultimately, it is a parent or guardian's responsibility to educate their child and prepare them to be a happy and healthy member of society. I can honestly tell you that the only thing I remember from that entire health class was a vague understanding of how to put a condom on. And I'm serious. That's it. In the whole class. We are now recognizing that the missing key is the ability to feel empowered by one's sexuality. Cis women are taught to fear their bodies, to cover them or objectify them, to never allow themselves to be sexual or wild, to never have control of ourselves, but to hide ourselves from others who want to control us too. Cis men are taught to dominate, to never feel that women's bodies are objects to obtain and that sex is a prize. Even if you manage to somehow not internalize these limiting beliefs and subconscious narrative, there are minor implications in our media and our communications and all of the microaggressions and micro expressions of self. This is where the idea that women love bad boys come into play. We love what we were taught that love looks like. And for my generation, that was just as much from the immense amounts of media we consumed as it was our unhealthy family dynamics. As much as I find safety, communication, compassion, and kindness in a man attractive, it would be naive for me to deny myself and not acknowledge that my mind finds the traits of dominating, dangerous, cocky, 
possessive, among many other behaviors, attractive as well at times. These are where things like kink and consent and communication can allow you to be accommodating to how your mind has evolved without shame while also indulging in a healthy relationship. Men and women alike are also taught that cis straight sex is not meant to be pleasurable for a woman and that it is meant to be a show for the man. Now, we don't have time to unpack everything wrong with that singular sentence, but there's a lot there to take in consideration as well. Men can also feel insecure because due to the fact that we are taught that women's pleasure isn't important, many men are taught that our pleasure is challenging to achieve and that it's not worth trying or that it's simply not what sex is about. And out of shame, we do not understand our own bodies and can't express to men what we want, which leads to that insecurity in men that they aren't pleasing us, that they are forced to pretend not to feel because, again, shaming any aspect of a man that is considered feminine. We are taught to fear our emotions, pleasure, and reproductive biology, which are all natural things that are okay to want, but we shouldn't fear them, especially not opening up a dialogue about them. We should not be instilling in young, impressionable minds of girls that they should be ashamed of their bodies and what they do to others. And young boys should not care for compassion or emotional intimacy. No one should ever have to suppress themselves to feel safe. I realized recently that calling myself a woman felt like putting on a sweater I just grew into. It felt soft and good and right, but also new and foreign and like I needed to stretch to fill the shape. I've noticed the significance of owning your identity as a woman. So rarely we call ourselves women, especially comparatively to men. So rarely do we stand in that power. There is no power in hiding yourself. We have been taught that attractive femininity is complete submission, but that is self-sacrificing. True power comes from vulnerability. You can be soft, attractive, submissive, feminine, all while prioritizing your health, safety, well-being, and pleasure. To heal sexuality and the expression of it, we need to understand what harmful things were said to us, even if not directly. For me, I was taught that sex and sexual desires were shameful, most important to never speak about them. Here I am breaking that chain of harm with vulnerability and education. I was taught that my body was an object, that I should fear it. I fight that by expressing sexuality through my art and creativity and by learning about myself. I was taught to fear letting people in, and I've spent a decade healing those wounds. I was taught that my body can only be objectified, and I've learned that it can be strong and fit and flexible, that serves me and all of its actions, and that I'm grateful for the body that I have. I can even decorate it in any way that I want that expresses how I feel. The traumas we pass on are integrated into our subconscious. Ladies, have you noticed how tightly you cross your legs when you're uncomfortable, even when there is nothing sexual about your fear? 
Women hold a huge percentage of our stress and tension in our pelvic floor. That's why womb healing practices are becoming more and more popular in the spiritual and healing journeys of many. It is a space in which we hold our emotions, desires, shames, and have so much fear about letting people in. It's important to be clear that there is no black and white in sex, or anything for that matter. Many toxic households have an absolute mindset. They use phrases like, you always or you never. There is a lot of gray area about sex. You can be attracted to all different people on various degrees. You can want to do something one day and not do it the next. There is not a right and wrong way to express human sexuality, and it can be hard to internalize when we've built structures to feel safe based on internalized truths we were taught. I decided to challenge myself because you can only be as intimate with someone to the degree that you trust them and whether they are the right person for you to completely let go or not is irrelevant if you cannot let go and trust yourself. We also have this illusion as women that we are not sexual because we hold so much shame in our bodies and therefore disconnect from our natural expressions. We fear being either too much or not enough. So we allow ourselves to be used. Divine feminine energy is naturally sexual, attractive, and free. This is intimidating to those who live in the falsehoods of structure for a sense of security. Wow, this is security. <laughs> this is why we were taught to hide. For sex to be enjoyable, we must step into this power. Also, when it comes to love and intimacy with sex, we want to feel safe and protected. But unless there is love and commitment there, many people will only protect you to the point of their ego. When their image or honor is brought into question, will they choose that over protecting, validating, or understanding you? This is one of the many reasons why straight cis women prefer to have an established sense of emotional intimacy prior to sexual encounters, whereas a lot of straight cis men view sexual encounters as a form of emotional intimacy. I want to validate that it can be hard to stay open and trusting, and that vulnerability can be scary. I know many people who have thoughts that they want to do something more adventurous or send their partner a message that's more scandalous, and they can't be sure that he won't share it or she won't share it or they or whoever. That what if their ego is more important than this relationship or you are to them? And even if they are a good person, Maybe their friends are teasing them or want proof. Will their ego then become more important? Or do they love or like or respect you? Where does their moralities lie? More so than this image that they need to hold up? It can be challenging or intimidating to express your desires before you are in love and have that person that you can completely trust. Whether you have entirely stepped into this power or you're not ready to, whether you want to or you don't, whether you have had sex or you have not, whether you have multiple partners or do not, whether you've masturbated or not, 
read erotica or not, watched porn or not, daydreamed about elaborate situations or not, spoke about your feelings and desires or not, tried new kinks and liked them or did not like them or not, you've educated yourself on anything related to sex or not, or absolutely anything in between or any combination of. I hope you stay safe, consensual, Break the chains of fear and shame and enjoy your body while you have it. As always, this has been my thoughts on some things. I'd love to hear your perspective. My name's Morgan Daly and I'm on most platforms. Be kind, be mindful, and have a good day on purpose.